Jumbo Ekabo, welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please, dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Dio Lateru, and I'm your host. Welcome. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This is episode 92. And if I sound a little groggy, forgive me, because it's not even, it's 5.30 a.m. And I I just got back from the U.S. last night. And um, I planned to record this while I was in the U.S., but <laughs> I underestimated what that schedule will look like. It was a great week, super hectic, super busy. I also surprised my friends, so we're now trying to figure out scheduling to see people. So recording the podcast, I had to go back on the back burner, and I was working um, partially during that time. So it's been a very hectic week. I'm, I'm tired, and I'm going back to work like in two hours, so um bear with me, but I want to get this episode out uh, because I'd like to wrap up the season and then take a break before the end of the year. And in this week's episode of the podcast, um, I'm talking about, I'm responding to um, six personal finance hot takes. And maybe, I mean, a hot take is kind of commentary that's made to get attention or things like that. And maybe some of these things are hot takes, but others maybe just things that people say as though they are like the gospel truth. And I don't think that they are. Or I think that there's so much more to that beyond the highlight. And so I just picked six of them that first came to mind. I'm sure there's so many more. I'm sure when I finish recording, I'll be like, oh, I could have talked about this. But anyway, um, this is the first time I'm doing a kind of hot take commentary. So um, let's go. But before that, how was your holiday week? Depending on wherever you listen to this, um, we just finished um, Thanksgiving in the U.S. and um, I'm getting back to work. So, so the first hot take I want to speak on is the fact that people will say that you're wasting your time slaving away at a nine to five when you can make millions working for yourself and take back your time as an entrepreneur. Um, and the thing is, I think that we need nine to fivers and we need entrepreneurs. Um, many entrepreneurs have their customers as companies. So if nobody's working at a company, who's your customer? You know, what happens to that customer base? Um, it gets under my skin a bit when a few people are able to go out on their own successfully and then turn around to only share the highlights and shame others into feeling discontent at being salary earners. So for example, if you're able to quit your corporate job, 
and attempt to build something on your own. But you're able to do that because you have the security blanket of a spouse or a partner or parents that are able to cover your basic bills while you go out and pursue that dream. But you don't share that part of your journey and then make someone else feel bad for selling their soul and slaving away at a nine to five. I mean, to me, that's just like, that upsets me to be honest, because it's, it's, it's a partial story. And then others are down then taking that, um, and, and questioning their own situations. Right. And not every entrepreneur succeeds. And so there is a risk to that. Right. I know that if you're you know, one that was raised in a family of entrepreneurs, you're more likely to be open to that level of risk. Or you're one where circumstance has forced you into entrepreneurship. Um, you know, I think that's great, but I just not a fan of the shaming people and saying, um, you'll take back your time. The truth is as an entrepreneur, yes, you control your time, but your business tends to control your time because you're sucking every waking hour. Most entrepreneurs, especially at the beginning, give more time to their businesses than they do when they were at a nine to five. So yes, I 100%, I mean, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I can imagine it will be nice to have a business that's grown where you're at the point where you only have to work four hours a day or four hours a week and things can run. <laughs> that would be wonderful. But how do we get there? You know, share the full part of your story so that when people are looking to make decisions for themselves, they can consider, you know, the full thing, right? Or, you know, I think, I mean, and for any nine to forever that's sitting down and watching somebody make six figures in their first year of business and all of that, um, I think, you know, it's important to don't just fall for the gimmicks. Don't fall for the highlight story. The highlight story is never the full story. It's a highlight for a reason. It's a headline for a reason, right? Um, an entrepreneur can take in $100,000 in revenue, but that's one side of the story. After the account for expenses, self-employment taxes, what do they really take home out of the business as their salary? And so when you're considering if I were to be considering entrepreneurship, I would need to know how much I need to make net after expenses, after deductions, after all of that, and then compare that to my salary where I don't have to pay self-employment taxes and stuff. So I'd assume that I, I know for a fact that 100K revenue does not count for expenses and does not count for additional taxes and all of that stuff. So you can't compare a business that brings in 100K in revenue to 100K salary. That's apples to oranges. It's probably more like 100K to 50K or 30K salary, honestly. Just ballparking, kind of a high level estimating what you could take home if you brought in 100K in revenue. Like your salary as an entrepreneur is maybe 30 to 50K at the most. And that's what you should be comparing. So anyway, that's my first hot take is that you are not wasting your time. I disagree with the hot take that you're wasting your time slaving away at a nine to five. Okay, 
Second one, um, second hot take is that <laughs> Dave Ramsey is the absolute worst. Now, you know, if you're, you know, there's a lot out there about Dave Ramsey that he's toxic, he's out of touch, maybe racist. That's what's out there. Um, and for those that don't know, Dave Ramsey is one of the OG OGs, like 20 years ago in the personal finance space. And he comes at it from a faith-based, white male, you know, um, Southern um, Christian standpoint. He is the creator of Financial Peace University. He has written many books that have been successful and has a widely followed YouTube page, like millions. Um, he also recommends that people um, invest in his growth mutual funds, which are expensive. <laughs> um, and um, his approach to money is very black and white and does not consider the nuance in people's situation. And so I know that when I would listen to him, it was very helpful, but did not really cater to me as an immigrant or me as an immigrant that has family financial response responsibilities. He really tailors to the average white American, honestly, because a lot of the challenges that people of color and immigrants may face, his main audience doesn't really face it. So he doesn't really cater, you know, to us. Um, and, and he doesn't really acknowledge um, the disparities in wealth in America. He's more of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get it done, you dummy. That's kind of his approach. Um, and, you know, he'll sometimes speak in derogatory terms and call people stupid and things like that and chalk it up to tough love. And so people seem to either absolutely love him that they call his following almost cult-like and he has a privately held company. So you can't really find out about the money behind the business. But we know that he has mansions and there's been stuff that's come out. I think it, there was stuff that came out in the last two years or so about the company and employees and how they were treated and all of that. Um, but I don't know too much and I haven't invested the time because honestly, it's not worth my time. But you'll find that in the personal finance space, um, there's a lot that's said against him. I think some people even become popular by solely preaching anti-Dave Ramsey. And, and to me, I think nobody deserves that much energy, right? Um, and so when I first started trying to understand how to be a better steward of my finances, all I had was the Dave Ramsey and Suze Orman. Um, however, pretty early on, I realized that Mr. Ramsey's style is not for me. And so the way that he used shame and fear tactics and his mutual fund recommendations really got me <laughs> raising my eyebrows. And, and ultimately, I stopped following him. So every now and then I'll see a video, I'll watch it. Um, but, you know, he has YouTube videos where his followers call in to ask certain financial questions. And my goodness, the way that he talks to people. Ah, anyway, um, you know, America loves it. That's the thing. America loves it. 
And so I have learned, though, that Dave Ramsey's method can be great for someone that's really struggling with debt and needs a strict plan, you know, and a cutthroat approach to getting out of that debt. Um, However, beyond that, I personally wouldn't stay for the investing advice and the talking down. Um, But the bigger point here is no single personal finance account or creator or educator is you. You know, we all share our knowledge, you know, that's, 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 that's um, rooted in our experiences, right? Our experiences kind of, you know, paint, paint a picture uh, and the lens through which we see and talk about money is influenced by our experiences, our backgrounds. Um, but it is ultimately up to you to sort through the buffet of opinions and ideologies and advice or non-advice or educational content or rants, like this is a rant, and build a plate that works for you with the right balance of understanding and accountability and tactical strategy. So I don't think Dame Ramsey is the worst. I don't, I'm not a big fan, but I don't have, I won't spend my whole life bashing him. But again, ultimately it's up to you to take perspectives and then decide what works for you in moving forward and building your own financial plan. Okay. Um, hot take number three is cut the lattes, don't go to Starbucks and you know, all your finances will be, will be great. And, um, To that, I say that there's a time for everything. You know, I agree, especially in the early stages of budgeting and when your cash flow is tight, it is important to look at your budget and look at where your discretionary discretionary spending is and where it's necessary to cut some of those um, out. And maybe that's the lattes and, and avocado coast, or maybe it's the cable subscription. Um, but these moves are typically for the short term and not long term. You know, I can cut something out for one month or six months, or maybe even a year if I'm trying to like, trying to pay down that debt, trying to get to a certain point. Um, but it's not practical to plan to live a life of deprivation right? Because that's not sustainable. Um, and so in my opinion, I think being strategic to increase your income is even more important because it makes a huge difference. You can only cut expenses so much, but you can increase income infinitely, right? And, and that can help you get to your goals faster. So my opinion on that hot take is there is a time for everything. There's a time to cut the lattes and there's a time to ramp up the income. And sometimes when you're in between, it takes time to ramp up your income, right? Maybe you're working on a degree that will increase your income by 30 grand a year or 30%. In the meantime, though, you need to not go to Starbucks as much. And, and that's kind of how I, how I think about it. Okay. The fourth hot take is, you know, if I can do it, so can you. And I know, you know, this is supposed to be inspirational and all of that. And I guess it links into the, some of the examples I gave it with um, entrepreneurship in my first hot take. 
Um, and maybe I've said it in the past. I don't know. I try not to say these things. Um, so while I understand the intent behind the statement, it doesn't take into the account. It doesn't take into account the fact that no two people have the same exact circumstances, nor will they make the exact same choices when presented with similar circumstances. And the other thing is we're also graced to do different things. And so the fact that you can do this one thing, I love it for you, but maybe I can do this other thing that maybe you're not graced to do. And so, yes, I understand representation. I understand all of this, but I never want to be one person's sole picture of what success looks like. I hope that I can be one picture of many, right? Or that you can see how I applied myself in certain situations and that inspires you to apply yourself in your own situation, not to try to walk in my exact shoes, right? Because I feel like that's, you know, maybe starting to get to be a bit of a God complex and I never want to to, to, to be that. Okay. Um, hot take number five is, you know, you're throwing away money at renting. And you guys know, I've said this many times. I think at this point, I'm one of the homeowners that may have the reputation of not being, of being anti-home ownership. <laughs> And that's, that's, well, that's kind of the case. I was going to say that's not the case, but let me not lie. <laughs> you know, I, I love my home and I've done podcast episodes on whether or not it might make sense for you to buy a home. Um, and yes, people have built wealth through real estate and sometimes they've been lucky when it comes to timing or they've had family help or they have a deep knowledge of the kind of real estate that you can buy and flip and build wealth with. So I 100% acknowledge it. But the other side of the coin is that there are also many people that have become house poor and have sabotaged their own financial health because they bought too much house or they bought a house before they were truly ready for it, right? You know, people say real estate always does well. You can't just buy a house because generally real estate always does well. I think in 2023, for most people, not all, it is not a good time to buy a house. Just my personal opinion, not financial advice, right? So you must run the numbers. You must run the numbers first and always. And so you are not throwing money away by renting. I have, I built so far most of my wealth by being a renter. I only bought a home in last year in 2022. Um, I can't really say I've built any wealth from being a homeowner. <laughs> I've just been paying on a mortgage and I've diversified by having an asset that's diff outside of the stock market. But I haven't gained any equity in my home and I bought at the peak of the market. So who knows, right? So I'm just saying that it is not guaranteed. Um, but if real estate is a strategy that you want to take forward, you have to, you can't just go and buy any house. You have to be strategic about what you're buying, what the value is and what your exit plan is and how long are you going to hold for. So please 
don't fall for the general statements to say, ah, you need to buy a house or you need to have real estate. I don't think that's the case. Okay. Um, and then the last one I'm going to talk about today is <laughs> that, um, you know, everybody will say we all need passive income streams. Oh, I made six figures from a passive income stream. And I think that most passive income, quote unquote, they're not passive income streams. They take work. Now, I think that income streams, you know, may become passive in the long term, but it usually requires a lot of effort on the front end without much in return immediately. Being a landlord is not passive. You buy the house, you do the work to rent it out, you do the work to find tenants and all that stuff, you fix issues, all of that. Um, and so real estate can be passive to you if you pay for a property management or a property manager, which can be a lot of money, right? Or blogging can be a passive income stream if you have a massive blog that makes money from ads. But for most bloggers, one, it doesn't always get to that level. And second, it takes years to build domain authority. It takes years for that SEO optimization to work for for you to get to a six-figure blog. You know, there's one personal finance um, creator that has a blog that pulls in over $100,000 in revenue every year. But the thing is, she started the blog like in 2016 or so and benefited from that period where blogs just absolutely boomed, right? And that's not the same today. It is harder to grow a massive blog today. Yet here she is, here she is selling, you know, a thousand or $1,500 course on how to create passive income via a blog. And the truth is, Yes, you may create passive income via a blog in three, four, five, six years, but you're going to work your butt off writing blog posts at least once a week, preferably multiple times a week in order to build that domain authority. And so, you know, I I, I want passive income sources for myself, but I recognize that they mostly come at a cost of time um, and, and probably financial resources. And it takes a while before they fully take off. And especially for someone that has a nine to five, it takes a lot of dedication. So, you know, are you, do you know the full story of what it will take and are you willing to do the work? All right. Um, and so, yeah, so I, am I able to do the work now for the long, for medium to long term so I can then dial back later and enjoy the passive aspect of it? And even, you know, with that six figure blog, you still need to be doing Pinterest and all those things to keep the traction on the blog. So anyway, that's the sixth hot take that I wanted to respond to. And um, I could keep going, but I think that's enough for a, a mini rant kind of episode. Um, and again, these are, my pers- these are my personal opinions, not financial advice. And I truly welcome other perspectives because money is personal and we can't all see things the exact same way. So what financial hot takes do you have? 
I'd really, really, really love to know. Um, Until next week, take care. And if you haven't given the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts, please give me a five-star review. Maybe I can cross the 50 reviews mark before the end of the year. That would be really, really wonderful. Thank you so much and have a great week. Cheers. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what, popping! And you amplify our message to other potential listeners. And last but not least, please follow us at Instagram at The Rich Immigrant. And as we go out into the world, I hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home. Ciao, bye, or devil. See you next time.